Welcome back to the Mental Health Commute with Dr. Walt Duffy and Matt Duffy. You know, we talk about taking sort of a journey down the interstate, the highway, and our stop today is for TMS, transcranial magnetic stimulation. Matt is going to moderate this because he loves to talk about this. Oh, it's a, a very exciting topic that we can go lots of different ways with. And there's now a lot of information out there. So part of what we're going to try and do is to try to bring in information that maybe isn't as easy to find or not everybody else talks about so that we can expand the current knowledge that's out there versus just repeating <laughs> what you can go find or maybe you've already heard. When I Google TMS on the internet, I find all sorts of like technical things. I can find things about transcranial magnetic stimulation in psychiatry. But I also see transportation management systems. I see all sorts of different things. So transcranial magnetic stimulation. Let's take the first word, transcranial. So it is a magnetic stimulation that is going across your scalp and sending pulses into your brain. It's an outpatient procedure done in many doctor offices throughout the nation. It was DA approved in 2008. It's been in research since 1985. And I, myself, and Elevation have been doing it since 2011. It is a treatment that lasts 20 to 40 minutes, and it's usually a series of 30 to 36 treatments. And it's for treatment-resistant depression, as well as the first FDA approval. Also, it is now approved for treatment-resistant obsessive-compulsive disorder, and just recently for nicotine-dependent. I'm just going to tell my own personal story with this and why I got into this. I saw this approved in 2008. I was ecstatic because of the possibility. It is extremely frustrating being in inpatient settings when you're working with a specific person in treatment and you cannot get them to the point of remission or very good response. You've tried multiple medicines. They've done therapy. They might have had inpatient treatment. They were not getting to the point where they needed to be. They had functional impairment in life. So when I first read about this, I go, wow, this might be a very positive thing. For myself, I had to convince a company to sell me the device. They said, you're in Lincoln, Nebraska. Nobody's ever going to use it in Lincoln, Nebraska. It was not on any insurance at that point in time. So they said, we only go to the big centers and big population areas. We just had to knock on doors for a while. We finally got our first machines in 2011, and we put our first cohort of nine people. We had identified nine folks to go through the treatment, and the response overall was pretty amazing. In fact, one of the people from that first cohort, she was in remission for over 10 years from her depression. She has more recently come back. That passion that a number of us have out there, and the term interventional psychiatry is coming more into vogue, is sort of the reason to get into this in the first place. How does it work? Why does it work? The more technical components of it. I have a lot of ways of it explaining, but from the medical point of view or how you like to explain it, what is it? How does it work? Why does it work? Why is what it's doing different than the other treatments out there? Right. So what you do is you have a machine with a magnetic coil. Sometimes this is figure eight magnetic coil by itself, or sometimes the coil is embedded within a helmet. That coil delivers a magnetic pulse that goes across your brain. It sort of feels like a woodpecker tapping on your scalp, okay? And that's what it sort of feels like. For most people, there might be some slight discomfort with the first couple treatments, but usually the, after a treatment or two, it doesn't really bother the majority of people. Your brain is an electrical organ. 
Okay. It creates an electrical discharge in your brain. And the difference between TMS versus something like electroshock therapy is you're awake the whole time, you don't get anesthesia, and it's very localized. For treatment-resistant depression, we're talking about the left frontal area of your brain. You get pulses there for over a series of 20, 40 minutes or so each day. And it is thought, we know that those, when you get those pulses, when your neurons fire, they can release things like the neurotransmitters that the medicines can, like serotonin, norepinephrine, dopamine. But there also is some thought that it has to do with neuroplasticity, and that's why it takes a number of treatments. You might be able to enhance those connections between your neurons, grow new neurons, bring depression network back online. So what I like to tell people, it's sort of like you, where you plug in your computer to the wall, and all of a sudden you have some short-circuiting in your wiring. You go and plug it in, you get the little spark there, and oh my gosh, it's not working. And that's what's happened to your brain with depression. You have these networks that are sort of misfiring. They're just not working fully. So, and that's why part of the day you might feel sort of okay, and other parts of the day you have really, really bad. Some days you just can't get out of bed or function or you're sitting at work and your mind's somewhere. And so this is hopefully trying to repair that. It doesn't happen overnight. You don't get one treatment. Oh, I'm just fantastic. It's a series of 30 to 36 treatments. And what we tell people is oftentimes somewhere during the first 10 treatments, you'll start to see some improvement. But over the weekend, you might lose it a little bit. Where we see the biggest response is over the between the 10th and the 20th treatment. It gets better and better as time goes on. But then there are those folks who, one, either they respond somewhere towards the latter part of the sessions, or another segment, they really need more sessions than what insurance approves. We'd like to keep them going. The basic idea is you come in, you get a treatment, the only really adverse effects are the Woody Woodpecker sort of feeling. We have people wear earplugs because it can be a little loud. You can either wear earplugs or you can listen to music. We want you to listen to positive things because we like your brain to be in a positive state of mind that we're trying to sort of get going, which is hard for people who are depressed. So we have people in the room who might be talking to you to keep you in that state of mind. But after the treatment, you're able to go. Some people feel a little tired after the first couple of treatments. A lot of people don't. You might have a slight headache. You could take like a Tylenol, Advil, or something like that afterwards. Very, very small risk of seizure, like one out of 50,000 or more treatments. You don't drink alcohol right before the treatment because that lowers your seizure threshold. So we we frown on that, and we talk to people about that. (laughs) But otherwise, unless you have like metal in your head, it's a pretty darn safe treatment. So circling back, talking on the the how it works, I'm going to kind of walk you through what goes through my brain, listening to you describe it. And you can tell me, hearing it in my non-medical terms, where I'm right and where I'm wrong. Oh, this is scary, folks. Right. (laughs) His brain. Okay. What pops into my head is that, I don't know, early high school, middle age, science photo, where you have those two sides of the neuron, right? And one sends stuff and one catches (laughs) stuff. And that's what's malfunctioning in these mental illnesses, right? The sending side or the receiving side, there's not enough of that chemical supposedly going across. You would think in your brain, the way you sort of your picture, if you see multiple of those little cell bodies, we'll call them that, in a network, like in a line, like we'll make it an interstate. 
you just have a smooth signal going through. Mm -hmm. That's what you'd like to have, right? But now picture that you just have this random array of light impulses coming off of that, and it's not smooth in any way. That is what's going on. Yeah. So the question is, what are we doing to address that non-pretty signal transfer, right? And using my, my ninth grade knowledge, they always had the, you know, the chemicals were certain sizes and they had to fit in. And what we're trying to do is find ways to get those chemicals to go across that network. So for some reason, your brain is not getting enough of those chemicals to transfer. So my understanding is meds are introducing that chemical into your brain so that it's not relying on your brain to provide what it needs. Well, they're allowing neurotransmitter maybe to sit in something called like the synaptic cleft so it can stay there to work. Mm -hmm. This is what the thought is, right? We don't know absolutely for sure that this is the way things work. You know, this is why research and science keep evolving. But for some reason, those chemicals are not shooting yeah. smoothly down. And it might be something other than just yeah. those chemicals, right? But we know that network is not functioning properly. Mm -hmm. The reason why TMS is maybe an alternative to meds, in my mind, is meds are bringing something from the outside in, where TMS is trying to get your own brain to fix the problem, right? We're not introducing a medicine or anything like that. We are firing those neurons directly, and we're trying to wake them up from their slumber. I picture it as there's supposed to be a door that allows these chemicals to flow in at some interval, right? The door opens and closes. And in a case of depression, that door is just locked and shut down. And TMS is just coming in and kicking that door open and saying, no, this isn't the wall, right? Your brain now thinks there's a wall there that nothing can pass through. And TMS is kicking that open saying, no, it's a door. It's supposed to function. Let this stuff out. And that's why over time we see people improve, right? It's not session one, you reach max benefit, and then we're just maintaining it. It's some period of time that it takes for your brain to retrain the idea that, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to open that door and let these chemicals or whatever's firing through the, the synapse. I was always told in high school it was chemicals, so I could be wrong. Yeah, those neurotransmitters are chemicals. You're correct. And the idea is, the word that we use a lot with TMS is training. We're training your brain to function the way it was meant to. The interesting thing is it's kicking down that door, but anxiety that door is wide open. Those chemicals are flowing too much and you have too much going on in your brain. And it's actually able to get your brain to close the door because we change the way the treatment's done. Just on that topic, and again, folks, this is uh, Matt's way of sort of viewing this. You know, the brain has, is finding in one place the key to open the lock in depression. So what is that in TMS? What's really actually happening? So we call that we're trying to deliver facilitatory pulses to your brain. What does that mean? We're trying to awaken your brain. So we're delivering fast pulses for depression to try to awaken your brain. In anxiety, your brain's trying to find another key to close <laughs> the door <laughs> to sort of inhibit that pulses from those chemicals from coming because it's got too much in your words. So in that case, we do what we call inhibitory pulses, the thought is. And those are one pulse per second or less. And those tend to be inhibitory transcranial TMS pulses to your brain. So that is sort of a way to picture things. And from that, then we get into why does it take a variable amount of treatments for different people to see a, a benefit? We need to step back one thing because okay. what's really important is you talked about we're training your brain. We're trying to train your brain. Well, that's where I'm going. Yeah, we'll see. But there's in the clinical world, there's a difference between training and treatment. 
there's things like neurofeedback that people might think are treatment. When we think of a treatment, we're thinking of something that's doing something to your brain that's activating your brain to making your brain work. Neurofeedback, I'm sort of training you how to look at your what your brain's doing and do something with it. But this, I'm actually delivering a treatment to your brain. I'm not just monitoring your brain and having you do something. TMS is an actual treatment to your brain. Why it takes a different amount of time for different people, right? I think there's two variables. And, and continuing on the training path, you know, I equate it to working out. Day one of TMS is the day you're walking into the gym. And we're going to do bench press, okay? And here's the two variables, right? One is everybody's depression weighs a little different. One person may only need to bench press 50 pounds to be able to lift their depression. And another person has a 600-pound gorilla that they got to lift up, right? So in my brain, the heavier your depression weighs, the longer it's probably going to take for the training to kick in to allow you to lift it. And the other one is what's your, your brain's base strength? right? Are you walking and able to lift 200 pounds and you only have to lift 50 and we just have to remind you how to do the, the bench press? Are you walking in only able to lift 50 and we're trying to get you to 600? For me, it's, and this is why TMS is an ongoing thing for most people. It's like going to the gym. Once you can lift that weight, whatever it is, if you stop going, stop training, the next time you go and have to lift that amount of weight, you're probably not going to be able to. To keep the benefits your brain has to remain in some form of exercise to allow you to continue to lift the weight when you have to. I believe during this episode, we've really touched on a lot of broad topics related to transcranial magnetic stimulation. You know, we sort of got off the exit, described it, need to get into the town, explore the town, the different sites and attractions within the town, and really look at the TMS from that perspective. So we need to take a maybe a couple days of vacation in this town and talk further about this episode. Thank you for this episode of the Mental Health Commute, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.